Today's guest is Jason Dilwiak. Jason is currently the women's head coach at UMass Amherst in Boston. In just four seasons as head coach, Jason has led UMass to multiple playoff berths, including, and most recently, an Atlantic 10 Finals appearance. Jason has also been an assistant at Florida Gulf Coast University and the University of South Florida, and a head coach at Division II St. Joseph's in Indiana and Anderson University. Jason has a great story about his experiences and what it takes to be successful at the Division I and Division II levels, including his core values. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. As always, this episode is brought to you by Set GK Goalkeeper Gloves. Gloves by the pros for the pros. With six different models to choose, they guarantee you'll find the feel and fit you're looking for. Use promo code JG25 at checkout for 25% off your order. Set GK. It all starts with your set. All right, Jason, thanks for, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on. Cool, great. So, um, you know, let's talk about first before we get into your coaching career. You know, what, what are the predictions for next fall? So Jason and I, Jason's the head coach at UMass, like you heard in the intro. Um, and obviously myself being the goalkeeper coach at Pitt, we, we play each other in the fall. So, you know, Jason, give us, give it, what, what are the insights right now? You know, what, what are you thinking? Oh, man, I, I, I am a little worried about playing you guys on your home field. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we snuck away with a win back in 19, and I feel like you guys are going to uh, definitely talk about that going into the game, and there can be no losing at home kind of a mentality. So I, I'm excited. that It's it's exactly why we try to play uh, programs like you guys every year, just to, to give our players that opportunity. But uh, we're going to be as mentally and physically ready as we can, that's for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, so we'll, I'll be I'll be looking forward to that. As, a, as I'm sure both both teams will. But so, Jason, you know, what I first want to talk about, and I love bringing coaches on who are, have been successful, you know, where or when did you first start getting into coaching? And, you know, what was that decision for you? You know, we talked earlier about your playing career at College of Charleston. And, you know, when did you decide that coaching was going to be the, the right career path for you? Uh, actually, I don't think I decided coaching was the career path until I was into coaching. Uh, but mm. I always knew I wanted to be uh, involved in the game in some way. I, you know, when we're young, we all think we can play at the next level and play on and, right. you know, forever. But uh, I actually, I got my first coaching opportunities when I was in high school. I had a great high school coach that did some camps and uh, in Morristown, uh, New Jersey, where I grew up, and and he was, he would always bring in some of the younger players or high school players to help out during during some of those. So I've I've been doing in some capacity some types of coaching since I was early in high school. Um, but my uh, it's interesting. I went when I I went to the College of Charleston. I played for Ralph Lundy, the legend. I mean his, his coaching mm. tree. Talk about a coaching tree and talk about success, right. man. He. Uh, He's got so many branches now, and it's so cool to be connected with so many of those guys still that, that are coaching at some of the highest levels. Um, but he uh, he had the biggest camps in the Southeast um, back in the day. Uh, before camps were uh, more isolated school by school, he was bringing in lots of college and club and high school coaches together. Uh, and we'd have five, six, seven hundred kids at a, at a camp at different sites uh, multiple wow. weeks throughout the summer. So I really, I got to be around the coaching side and lots of different coaching personalities for, for my four years in college. Uh, it allowed us to work out during the summer, which was, you know, this mm. is kind of a little bit as like PDL was starting to get going. Right. There wasn't so many playing opportunities. So a lot of us college Charleston players, and he would bring it, he would let other college players come in, men's and women's, which was, I thought was uh, really 
uh, you know, forward thinking on his part too, just to get lots of different players around and we'd be able to jump in and play with the kids when, you know, when we're doing like all-star games, but we got trained by some of the best coaches, uh, not just in the country, but internationally. Um, You know, we had the Trinidad and Tobago. He he always had a really tight connection with Trinidad and Tobago. Um, Mm. And we had the the national team coach, Antoine, uh, sorry, Anton, uh, that, that Cornel that came in and he was running training sessions for the college players. He'd use us as demo demo players through throughout the you know the the training sessions for the campers to watch and see us do things and uh, right. and just being around coaches like that coaches like coach lundy um you know just gave me this desire to want to help players that that's that's kind of where mm. the coaching uh, motive started and right. i think a lot of the guys i played with were like i'm just here to work out and get paid a little bit <laughs> yeah. and i don't mm. want to work i just want to train and you know eat basically you know they feed us uh and i was like and i'm i just get bored sitting around not doing anything and we got these players around and and you know it was all different ages so you know sometimes some weeks were high school age sometimes they were younger and uh and so that got me like excited about coaching and then actually uh, one of the coaches that i met through uh coach lundy's camps was steve bradarski who's the head coach at um at st bonaventure now and right. he got me my first coaching job. So I had finished at the College of Charleston in December uh, of 03. And I was sticking around, like, you know, kind of kicking around with the battery, the Charleston battery as like a practice player um, mm-hmm. and working camps that summer. And then at the end of that summer, Steve was like, uh, I've got a, a somebody told me about this job and, and I think that you'd be great. And I already told the guy to hire you, <laughs> basically. Jeez. So, wow. Um, so, so Steve had, had talked with the coach at the time at um, St. Joseph's College. This is a little D2 school in Indiana. I mean, mm-hmm. 10 miles in any direction is corn. We had corn. That right. was not all we had. Um, but he talked to this guy and gave me a really good recommendation. And it was for the, both the men's and the women's uh, teams at this Division II school. And, uh, you know, I spoke with the head coach for a couple, a couple hours and uh, about 48 hours later, I was on campus. I, I packed all my stuff wow. up and literally drove from Charleston, South Carolina to Rensselaer, Indiana. It took me about 14 and a half hours. Uh, I left, uh, they were about two days into preseason at the time. So it was August. I showed mm. up and I left, you know, 90 degree weather in Charleston. <laughs> right. And it was, uh, I think it might've been snowing. I pulled in at like 1 a.m. And it was weird. It was like a weird, like in August, freezing. Wow. And I'm like, I got back in my car before so, they came up. Yeah, they, you, t- you had to make a quick yeah, U-turn. Yeah, I was like, I'm going back. I'm going back. I can't do it. Uh, right. So, but yeah, so that was my first introduction to the college game. Was that a was that a was assistant, assistant position or head yeah, coach? Yeah, assistant position. Okay. Uh, it was interesting. My 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 path is all about. I've learned how to grind it out, you know. And I right. think a lot of different coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody has different experiences, but I think part of the reason that I've been able to be successful at UMass and, and at other programs that I've been a part of is I've never been afraid to to go out and do the work, like go out and grind it out, go mm-hmm. out and, you know, go to every event possible, spend, you know, the third day of an ECNL event on the field on Sunday when the mm-hmm. games are pretty, the kids are tired and the games are, are kind of worn out a little bit. Um, but I learned, I think I just learned that by having to you know, my first few jobs at, at some lower, uh, you know, smaller schools, division two, or where, 
you, you got to do it all. You know, you're not just a coach. Right. Or, mm-hmm. Basically, a counts. You know, uh, admissions counselor. You're yeah. kind of doing a lot of different jobs. Um, but I got really lucky. You know, that job was it was great because it introduced me to to coaching at the college level and recruiting a bit at the college level. But at the end of the mm-hmm. first season that I was there, the um, uh, the head coach stepped away, and I had built really good relationships with the players on both teams. They, you know, they seemed to like me in the moment. Right, uh, right. <laughs> and so they were like, you got to give the job to Jason. And I was like, I'd love to get this job. Sure. Like administration right. was like, apply. You know, they didn't, I wouldn't say they went through a very extensive uh, search process. I think maybe like mm-hmm. one or two other school uh, coaches that they talked to. Uh, and then, you know, they named me head coach. It was, uh, Wow. I lucked out. I'll be honest. I think it's a lot. Yeah. Twenty. I was twenty-four by that point, coaching a men's and women's Division two program, uh, right. having never really did, had any guidance. You know, I worked. With right. Did, I mean, did you feel you were ready, or like no. was it kind of just I mean, you know, I, learn as you go? And I was. See I, what happens. I wouldn't say like I'm terribly arrogant. I went in like let's just see what happens. I, you know, I didn't. I knew. Right. I knew from being there for a season as an assistant that there was only really room for growth. There wasn't going to be mm-hmm. uh, an opportunity. I think that any kind of failure would look really all that bad. So I think I was like, my mind was eased at least that it couldn't get much worse. Right. Um, but, right. Um, but I, and that's what I mean, like just learn how to grind it out. Like my first two recruiting, I, I recruited 10 players on the women's side, 10 players on the men's side. I think Jeez. five of those players on, on both the men's and women's side started in my, my first fall as a head coach. Um, right. And I didn't know, like I hadn't done any recruiting yet. You know, I was hired in right. August in the midst of preseason. There mm-hmm. was no recruiting, you know, maybe a high school game here and there, but it wasn't right. like there were, we were doing these major events. And, and then all of a sudden I was the head coach. Um, and so Jeez. I was just like, let me just figure it out. Let me, you know, I talked to coaching friends yeah. and I went to events and I just started talking to kids, you know, I mean, I, I just, you, mm. you learn how to do things by doing it. I think, yeah. You know, right. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah. how long, so, so how long were you there for? Uh, all in total, I think 18 months, <laughs> 18 months. Oh, wow. I, uh, okay. So I, did you leave? Does that mean you left after your first season as head coach? Yeah. So I, is, I, we were talking about it before we got on the, the actual recording, but so I'm coaching both the men's and the women and overnight from being named head coach from assistant coach the men immediately were like we're going to challenge every single thing you say and do oh god and i'm like yeah. you guys asked me to do this like you wanted right. me to be the head coach and then it was all of a sudden it was like i have to play in every session just to you know reiterate that i i know how to touch a ball and i know i think i know right. what i'm doing a little bit but um you know i hired somebody as an assistant that was a bit older he had some professional experience over in france um, and I really started to focus on the women's team. And, and I think one of my biggest successes as a coach are the, the spring that I was the head coach that, that would have been 2005 spring we played, I think it was either Purdue or Valpo, but they were both like mm-hmm. within about 90 minutes. Uh, but I can't remember which one it was. Um, uh, and we lost like five, nothing in the spring. It was like a debacle. Um, right. And then, uh, or maybe it was like in that fall season, we had, we had just got destroyed by them, right? It was like a preseason yep. game. But that fall with the women, we tied 0-0. And we played all right. Like, they probably should have beat us for sure, right? But we tied, right. and the head coach at the time 
of whichever program it was, was like, you want to play some overtime? And I was like, nope. <laughs> We're going to escape with a draw against <laughs> right. a D1 program. I feel good about my life right now. Um, right. But it was really like, that was the tipping point for me in, in deciding to coach women because the women were just like, just tell us what you want us to do. We're going to try. Like, we're going to hmm. we're gonna try to do it however you're asking us. And, and they right. really just like, they bought into the process and they bought into the idea of, uh, of listening to ideas that I had, which I was like, ah, let's try some things, you know, like, right. Um, Do, were the, were the programs successful before you got there as an assistant? No, not, not, not really. Um, so, so do you think that like the guys were starting to question everything, but it was more of like an internal issue because they, they realized they weren't winning. We, we had, so it was, you know, they just were kind of were looking for a scapegoat. For sure. Like they, it was a really talented men's group, actually super athletic, but there were like four or five kids that were just like, like if it was working, then they wanted to mess it up. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't on right. Yeah. It was just mm -hmm. like, they didn't know how to just sit back and like, let's take it all in, which the women did. And so the women, right. you know, mm -hmm. we, we turned around and had a pretty good, uh, fall season. The men were a little bit better. Um, but it was tough. I mean, there were two guys on the team that were older than me and they were, they were cool. Like they were okay with me. But when there right. were moments where it was like, you know, maybe they could question me. Even those guys were like, who were the most mature were like, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. And I was right, like, right. Uh, that's, that's tough. tough. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. I think this is right. So right. I, I think the, the first like five or six years of my career was, was a lot of like trial and error, learn, learn kind of by doing, mm -hmm. learn by trying. Um, I've become very good at apologizing to my team. Cause I'm like, yeah. you know what? I got it wrong. I don't mind. Like, Right, I, I accept right. it for sure. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the success that we've had the last four years at UMass, um, you know, four winning seasons in a row, three normal seasons through, you know, with right, COVID and right. that, that third year, but uh, of 10 or more wins, I, I think it's just come from uh, really like trial, trial and error. And then, you know, mm. getting, getting around people like Jim Blankenship and Denise uh, Denise Shelty Brown and Chris Brown at, at USF and learning, right. you know, J Jim confirmed a lot of things that I was already doing as a head coach at Anderson, right. uh, where I was like, all right, his old school mentality and my approach, uh, he's, he's ext I think he's like number five or six in current coaches on the women's side right now for oh, wins. Wow. Um, so I'm like, all right, he, he did it and it worked for him and it seemed to be working all right for me. And then with Denise mm -hmm. and Chris, uh, just a totally different, like a very tactical approach, very intelligent uh, way of delivering information and, and lots of different ways of delivering uh, mm -hmm. you know, visuals, video. I just, I learned so much between those two programs that um, it just, it, it kind of awakened a, a right. new like search for information too, for me. For sure. So you went from being a head coach at Anderson and, and being successful there, which is another division two program to, to now being an assistant, you know, what, what kind of made you feel like you wanted to, I don't know if taking, if saying taking a step back is the right way, but essentially, you know, if you will, taking a step back from being a head coach to now being, being an assistant at a different level, yeah. um, higher level. So, I mean, you know, what was it, what was that thought process like? Listen, man, I am a gambler. There's no doubt about it. And I made a major gamble there. Yeah. But it was an educated gamble to say, like, I want to be on the D1 side. I, I mean, right. at that point in my career, I had, you know, I had 
the the you know my era so to speak of of coaches in my age mm-hmm. like i'd built some really good relationships with a lot of coaches on the east coast one of them was aaron Sotolsky, who's the head coach at university of tampa now but mm-hmm. aaron was the assistant the, the first assistant at gulf coast and we literally were just sitting on the field watching what recruiting together watching a game together and we started talking about what was going on at gulf coast and she was just you know Jim's easy to love on, like everybody loves right. Jim. Right. Um, so she was just talking about how great it is working for him and that they were looking for a second assistant. And I was like, well, you know, what what's the job like? Uh, yeah. And she was like, if you're serious, I'll, I'll introduce you to Jim. You guys can talk. And I met, I just met Jim, like just talking with him was like, mm-hmm. I, even if I'm not making any money, it'd be fun to work with this guy. Like. He's right. just that easy to talk to. He's that easy to be around, and and he had been extremely successful. You know, I mean, he's, he mm, killed it when right, he was at right. Lynn, multiple national championships on the NAI uh, level, and then I think either one as a D two program when they transitioned, or he might have left to take to start the the program at the University of Miami, um, and they won. You know, the the team that he had had built had right. won another national championship after he left. Uh, but he started the program at Miami. He started the program at Gulf Coast. They're just—he's just a winner. And wow. I, I yeah. made that educated gamble to to say what well, once he you know he brought me in for a camp actually. I was like let me let me see you run some sessions. But I've been coaching right. you know I've been a head coach for five years. Uh, you know won it at St. Joe's and four at Anderson and and mm-hmm. at the end he was like yeah man if you want to do this like we'll hire you. And I honestly, like, I mean, it was a part-time pay, full-time work, have to do club, right? like right. a whole nother level of learning how to grind because it's mm. now is grinding to make a living too, not just grinding it out to, right. to do the job I want to do. Um, but he had a, he had a great setup on the club side in, in Naples, some really good people down there. Um, and I'll be honest, like, I mean, I cashed everything I had in. To, to move there mm-hmm. and survive yeah. for, for those two years, um, you know, from like, uh, you know, like my savings and retirement stuff, like I'm talking right, to right. I possibly could um, to make it work. And, and from day one, he was like two years, that's all. Like you're here two years and then you're moving up. Like that's gotta be your goal, yeah. that's my goal for you. And he, he never like wavered from that thought. I don't think, I mean, I, I still talk to Jim every, uh, like all, all the time, you know, and, right. and I would work with him again if that, if you know, if that mm. opportunity ever yeah. presented itself in some capacity, because he's just, he's an amazing person. He's so much to learn from. He's one of the best managers of people that I've ever been around. Right. Um, so what were like some of his core values of managing people and, and, and leading a team essentially, you know, what, what do you think made him so successful? Uh, I mean, the attention to detail was one of the biggest things. Like, I mean, like I said, he, he's, Old, like a bit of that old school mentality, but with like a new school personality. I don't know if that makes sense, but just yeah. so easy mm-hmm. and, and fun to be around. Right. His old school mentality was like, shin guards are in before you step on the field. Shirts tucked in for yep. training. It's not, we're running. Like, I mean, the, our teams <laughs> yep. were fitter than everybody, but he also, because he had, you know, he started the program and he had so many good ties in Florida. He'd been in Florida for so long that you know he did he he was always on odp staff and especially back then even when odp was there was no ecnl there was no ga Mm. you know it was the it was like the pinnacle of how you get to the you know to the national team or regional team so to speak but he uh so his relationships and connections 
were what helped him connect to, to top players. And a, and a lot of his, his success early on, the first four years before we were postseason eligible, he, had, he was getting players that would transfer from Florida State and Florida, hmm. uh, USF, UCF, you know, like right. the top wow. Florida club, uh, programs. They're kids that maybe went there because they were good enough, but maybe it wasn't quite the right mentality right. level for them. Or, or whatever. Maybe it was just, you know, like too much. Like that that was more than they expected. But he was so tapped into the coaches around the state that he um, he always kind of knew like who was on the lookout. And um, and he was a phenomenal recruiter. Like he, he would talk mm-hmm. kids and families into this is the only place you could ever want to go. Right. It was awesome. So, I mean, yeah, the, the location of Florida Gulf Coast it doesn't hurt. sells itself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. You know, you got a beach on campus. It's not too bad. Right, right. Um, but, but, but more so, like, he was selling his culture, which is, like, you know, which is what I've taken, you know, from both him and Denise. It's like, this is a family, mm-hmm. but we're going to win together, right. and we're going to win working really hard together. Um, and so it was just always that, that attention to detail and organization I mean, we played a flat four four two, which nobody does. Yep. You know, what I mean, like we were we stretched the field out. The field at Gulf Coast was massive, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a system that you can't play without the right type of players. So right. I think from a recruiting standpoint, I, I I was pretty, I felt pretty good and pretty successful at recruiting talent, at recruiting players that knew how to play a certain way. What I learned from Jim was was identifying things that aren't so obvious maybe to everybody. Um, we had right. a kid, Danny Fowler, that, that she was there before I got there that he recruited. He, uh, I love the story because like, I'll never forget it, but he was watching mm-hmm. her play in some event and he like watched her run off the field, throw up, and then run back on the field and play the you know like played ninety minutes. Yeah, and he was right. like, "That's gonna be our defensive center mid because he had to have somebody that could just do all the running." And she was, mm. she wasn't a player that I think a lot of people would say like, "That's that's a, gonna be a great college soccer player." And she was, right? She was the reason we could do so many things in that system. So he was really right. great at identifying like the specific things needed for a system to work because he loved that for system. Sure. Gotcha. Um, so it was it was really cool just to be around him for that too. Just the, the learning process of how to how to identify different things that aren't so obvious, but also mm. then how to like convince kids. And he's not fully funded, which is the amount of success right. he's had to to not be fully funded too. Is um, I mean, he's amazing that way. Like he 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 maximizes his dollars and he gets kids to again to buy in and and he invests yeah. back into the team. And into the players as as he can, but I've learned a lot from him that way too. Yeah. So then you move on to to South Florida. Where was it? Was it two years at Florida mm-hmm. Gulf Coast, and then you so plan yeah. plans working My out. My first so two years at Gulf Coast were our were the program's first two years of postseason eligibility. So like I okay. said, like the gamble was educated, and right. we won the regular season, won the conference tournament both years, played Florida in the first round of the national tournament both years and lost <laughs> right and right they were um, unreal back then like at that point. yeah but, um mm. but it was like bam bam two two conference championships two national tournament appearances uh exactly like i couldn't have scripted it any better for myself and because right. of jim jim's connections in florida and and he was like look you're gonna go everywhere we recruited all the time uh so right. i just met everybody in florida 
right. in those two years there. So then, yeah, at the, at the end of my second year, Denise and Chris were looking to hire. Uh, they reached out to me because I'd worked a couple of their camps over those summers. Through. Right. Um, and they were looking. It was, it was like a match made in heaven between them and me. Yeah. You know, they, they were looking for somebody with experience, but that had the freedom, like, uh, from a, a life standpoint, I, I you know, right. single guy, but I'm a little bit older than just a newbie out of college right. that's looking to get into mm-hmm. the game. They wanted somebody that could really like recruit heavy in Florida because they, I mean, they, they were very good recruiting and winning off of, uh, international players because it, right. it was, it was hard to, to compete with the likes of Florida Florida State and, and at, that, at yeah. that point even UCF because uh, you know to get Flo- the top <clears throat> excuse me Florida kids um, right for sure so when we met we met at a Tijuana Flats like just hung out just talked it was mm-hmm. I, like yeah. so these it's weird some of the moments that that like what why they stick out I guess like it was obviously a huge meeting for me in my life but it was so casual with them and it was right. so easy with them and it's funny because a lot of people in Florida especially, we're like, do you know what you're doing? You're getting ready to go work for a married couple. You're never yeah. gonna, like your say is never gonna be listened to, you know that. I'm like, ah, I don't think that'll be the case, but even if it is, right. like, it's USF. They're a great program already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were they were like getting better and better every year that, that Denise and Chris had been there. I think at that point it had been like maybe six seasons or so when I joined them. Um, and I just felt comfortable with them. We, we like saw eye right. to eye, uh, like morally, philosophically. It was just, it was real easy, easy to like be around them. And mm. Denise and I, honestly, we could be brother and sister. Like we, we battled, like we butted heads. And I think Chris loved it secretly. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't yeah. say it. <laughs> right, right, um, right. That's fine. <laughs> but we're, you know, like they're family now for me. Like, I, I just right. uh, like they they did a lot for me in those five years that I worked with them. But I think I was the assistant that's that was with them the longest. We certainly mm. had the most amount of success or, or continued uh, like championships, regular season, conference tournament, um, postseason play. Um, although we did play Gulf Coast in I think it yeah. was my second. The second year that we made the tournament, which is my third season at USF, we played them, and we and yeah. they beat us on two penalty, two terrible penalty calls. But anyway, right. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is like my nightmare. Like I coached there, I know everything about Jim, everything about his yep. team, right? And it was just one of those like uh, painful, painful moments. Mm. But it was also like the first time Jim had won uh, a post like a national tournament game at Gulf Coast. So it was like. Right. Special. Oh, good for I him. love yeah. him. Like, yeah. Special. I'm looking at him like, I think I'm kind of crying right now, but I don't know if I'm happy for him or really sad for us or what. But Right, right. Um, but it was, you know, the time with, with Denise and Chris was, uh, I've not learned about the game tactically um, in a five-year span ever. Like, at any point in my life did I ever learn mm. that much in a five-year span. Um, wow. they're, they're brilliant. They're, they're two of the most brilliant coaches that I've ever come across on the, on the tactical side. And, um, there's a reason that, you know, that they are a top 25 program and they, yeah. uh, that they continue to win is they're just tactically so beyond, I, I would say so many coaches. Right. So, 
now you're about like 10, 12 years into your coaching career. You know, you met the right people. You've gotten, gotten taken all the all the right steps. You know, your your gamble seems to have paid off. So now now you're ready to take over your own program and and you go you go to UMass, right? I didn't miss a step there. Right. Yeah. UMass was. Yeah. I, I was in. I had started interviewing after probably our third season together at USF. Yeah. Uh, and I had some. You know, I had some calls. I had some some phone interviews. Some some. Uh, you know, a couple in persons. Uh, you know, kind of learn. You know, I mean, it's different when you're applying for a right. Division One job, and mm. the level of expectation from the high. You know, the hirer. Right. You, you right. know, the employer of what a head coach maybe sh- you know whether they know what they know or you know right it's how they present that information and i learned what not to do and or, or mm. how to do more i should say in some of right. those experiences and and jim is great too in, in that because how many people he knows so i got some mm-hmm. real feedback from a couple interviews that he right. actually had real close ties with they were like you know he asked them straight up like you know right did what did you think of Jason or whatever? And they were like yeah. pretty blunt, which was great. Like I tell me the truth. Like I want to know what I did wrong yeah. so I can be better. Um, exactly. And when the UMass job opened up, um, to be honest, like we had just had a, another great year, and I was like, I don't know. Like maybe maybe I could maybe I could stay in this role for for a lot longer because I love Tampa. I love Denise and Chris, or you know, I love USF. Right. Um, and gotta love the weather too. I mean, you went from you went from Charleston to Indiana. Now, yeah, now, now like you're in Florida. Weather. I mean, you're, yeah, I yeah. love the warm. So right. it was. I wasn't really actively searching out jobs, but um, uh, our, our SWA at USF for my first three years, uh, Jocelyn Fisher had become the the uh, sorry the um, the SWA. Um, had become the SWA at Boston College. And then mm. we stayed in touch. We actually played like co-ed leagues together when we were right, at, right. at USF. And so we became like good friends. And when the UMass job opened up, um, our compliance director, uh, AP, uh, Ariel Prasante, is, is really close with Jocelyn. And this is how the, the world works, right? It's like yeah, who you exactly. know yeah, right. and right. The, the timing of everything. So. Um, Jocelyn was like, I think you should really consider Jason. And then she called me and was like, you're going to probably get a call from somebody at UMass, answer the phone. Right. <laughs> Don't make me look bad. <laughs> and, um, right. and so when they, you know, when they got in touch with me, I was, I was already, you know, at that point in the process of applying and getting everything I needed mm-hmm. in, into them. Cause I, I do want, I did want to be a head coach. It was just right, it was right. tough to walk away from. For I'm sure. a winner, you know, you got a winning hand right. and we right. were going to continue to win. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, everything was good. But, um, you know, I came up and it was Dece- mid-December when I got interviewed. Oof. So yeah. again, I, I have this habit, of, I guess, of leaving 90 degrees yeah. <laughs> the, the tundras right. of the north. Right. But I came up and there was an absolute ice storm. I mean, I grew up in Jersey, so I'm, I'm not right. Yeah, you, you, unfamiliar yeah. you were used to it, weather, right? but it's different. For sure, it's in the Bo- Boston's definitely a little bit different. Yeah, those winters in Boston, they they, they hit a little oh, bit different. Man. Yeah, the wind it just it cuts through mm. it, uh, cuts through. Right. But and there was a there's an ice storm. I mean, like I, they couldn't take me around campus because right. it was so miserable outside. So I like I basically came in and spent you know 16 hours in the building that I my office is in, and everybody right. just came to me. You know, like came through, 
But mm-hmm. um, as I got to, and I met, I feel like I met a hundred people that day. But as I met, right. I met players, I met different um, different coaches, I met different uh, administrators, and and like the reoccurring feeling I kept getting was like, I love these people. Like the people are really yeah. cool. Like they're just good. Like you, you know, like right. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's living in the South a little bit. And you just get a feel for like good-hearted people. The Midwest is really that way too. Um, right. Just people that seem to like genuinely care about yeah. you. Yeah. So you're saying Jersey not, not so much? Not so much. <laughs> South Jersey. South Jersey a little more than North so, Jersey. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it was. I just felt like a real connection with everybody that I got to talk to, um, and and I walked away being like praying I was going to get this job because I felt like. Right even without seeing what the facilities really all look like and knowing what to expect in that sense, I just felt like I, I can sell the people. I, I can sell that there, right. this is a community that actually cares about each other, cares about the, the student athletes' well-being. Um, you know, Gulf Coast and, and USF both had that feel, but, right. um, and I don't know if, if I feel this way now because I've been here longer, but I, I, it's different. Like it's, I yeah. think we have to. Have a little bit smaller. We don't have the sunshine well. all the time. Right. You know, like right. this is, it has to be about, this is where I want to be because for sure. it, it's, it's really good for my life, you know? And, and I think mm-hmm. the people uh, and the success that pretty much all the programs with the exception of a couple uh, and that's changing too, like have had, it's, it's a, UMass athletics is a winning, like there's a history for of sure. winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize even on my interview, just how successful the women's program had yep. been in the past. And, um, right. but you know, six final four appearances in the, in the eighties and nineties wow. and, mm-hmm. um, and the community too of alumni. So my, the, the head coach that basically started the program is, is Kenny Bonda. He like him and Anson Dorrance started women's soccer in the U.S. basically together. Right, like, right. Like they were, he he's he stayed con- or got connected with with us when we got when I got hired, and so I talked mm-hmm. to him on a monthly basis. He's kind of he's awesome. still up in the in the Northeast. I think he lives in Albany now, but his right. uh, his son's in the area, and he's a musician, and we like we've become really close. He's become a mentor for right. me. He's got a foundation in his home country, uh, Malawi, but uh, so we try to help him with that type of stuff too. But, right. but linking up with him and and that are like kind of that original alumni that we was what we call them right. the, the you know the the mid to early '80s. Those women they loved UMass. Like everybody walks away loving UMass yeah. experience. Right. But we had um, my first year happened to be the 25th anniversary of the final Final Four appearance. So mm. there was a planned event, and we got like t- probably fifteen to twenty of the the alums from that era, those eras, to come back, and right. uh, and That's they awesome. loved it. And we fell like yeah. I fell in love with these women, and they were like, "You're great." Yeah. And now they like follow <laughs> us everywhere that we go. A lot of right. them they'll oh, show up at games when we're you know in their in their neighborhoods. We had uh, right. one of the one of the women lives near Dayton, so she was out at the the championship game. Right. This, uh, Mm. This past November, which was awesome, that that somebody was there to like connect with us, that had been a part of those types of games, you know, in the past. Right, and, right. No, that's uh, very that cool. Community, yeah, community, like these women were like, for we, sure, we hadn't been back in thirty years. This is the first time some of them had been back on campus. 
so it was really cool to hear their stories and and realize like I mean things have changed in the in the game but but things haven't really changed for the experience of what it is to be a college right. athlete uh, I mean we, we provide more for our athletes now probably <laughs> right <it> right <laughs> yeah so what was your kind of what was your first message to the to the group in your first year I mean you had a successful first year and so what was your message to kind of get your girls to buy in um i i mean you know i've got i've been doing it long enough that i've had enough friends that have moved into head coaching positions and you know everybody has a different approach and everybody uh you know everybody's way is their own and they you know for whatever reason i uh i always thought it was weird or or uh i don't know like i always felt bad for the athletes when they got a new coach and the new coach just wanted to clean house, you know, right. and, and I've not ever been a part of a program like that because the people I've worked for have built the programs they've, you know, that mm. they've run. But, uh, but you hear about that happening all the time. And, and right. honestly, we came in, uh, I mean, I watched all, I, I watched a lot of that the fall before I was hired those games. Uh, but it was hard to tell who could do what the way I wanted to play. I'm a very like possession oriented right. type of coach and they, mm. and the previous staff was, was different. And, and right. again, every style is, uh, there's no right or wrong way. It's, it's about finding right. ways that, that suit your personnel or, or whatever. But, um, so I came in with like a lot of uncertainty, like just who could do what. So I said, look, mm -hmm. we're going to get to know you guys. We, we, we like did individual meetings. We just, just who they were as people. And we completely changed the system that, that any of them had played, at least at UMass. Um, part of that was, uh, I felt like it, it was good to make a dramatic change. Like, let's change everything. Um, and mm -hmm. this is like a clean slate for you guys, clean slate for us. You know, no expectations, because this is, you know, we're gonna try something. And we went into this 3 five, 2 right. I also, we, we, had, we had worked on it a lot over the last two years at USF. Um, like it was, it was an education for me in the three, five, two with, uh, you know, Denise and Chris, and we had a, uh, like a coaching consultant, this guy, his name's Ebon. He, he took over in my position when I left, uh, mm -hmm. he was from Spain, coached professionally in Spain, uh, on, on the women's side, actually at, at one point. Um, and right. his wife was a research doc at USF. Like she had come over on some uh you know assignment yeah. and he was just with her he was like i just want to be around the game didn't did mm. not speak much english uh right so for like the first year he was like drawing like we were learning <laughs> through watching him draw things like he's teaching us all right. this stuff and brilliant coach like he he like uh i mean he he wants to be pep there's no doubt like he he right. like yeah um he studies everything that pep does uh, mm. and, and it's, it's just the, again, like Denise and Chris, their tactical level, I was like, whoa. And then Yvonne came in and we're like, oh my God, we're getting better. Uh, so I had this benefit of, of really like basically being taught right. a specific way to play a three, five, two, uh, that was just different than anything I had ever experienced in my playing or coaching career. Cause at, mm -hmm. uh, the college Charles we played a three, five, two, but it was old school. Like the three yeah. in the back yeah. were man markers wingbacks right. which i had the discomfort of having to play most of the time I had to run end line to end line yep. like doing mm -hmm. everything and it was it's just 
it was just a different approach to the system. But anyway, so we came in and clean slated it and it just really worked. Like the, we had good technical players. We weren't very athletic. Um, I wouldn't say that we were poorly, like poor athletic. We just didn't have a lot of pace. And so it was just like, right. let's just be fast with the ball. And we had a good spring. Uh, you know, we won some, some of those games and the girls felt good. And so right. it was like, yeah, you know what? We're not changing anything. Nobody, we're not cutting anybody. And we came into the next fall and added, I think maybe three or four players total, like some players that the previous staff had identified. And, um, mm -hmm. and they, uh, you know, we added them in, but it was a really small roster. I think we only had 24 on the roster total. Oh, wow. Um, and it was a, it was a blessing for sure to be small because everybody mm -hmm. got to be a part of it. We all could right. buy in. We needed everybody to play. So I think sometimes mm -hmm. when you have a bigger roster, we're, we I learned this more and more this year because we had 30 this year. That right. It's it's easier to to trust somebody to do something when they have to do like, it because we only mm -hmm. have 22 players. Right. There's, You're gonna right, play a little right. bit. Um, and it's easier for them to like, I think, be a little bit more ready. Um, mm -hmm. But. In our, we won our first game. So my first game at UMass at home, we won that game. It was awesome, right? We, I mean, this is yeah, great. Like, okay, it. we were off to the next Great start. Our yeah. next home game, we lost on a <laughs> terrible, like, I mean, like, we should have won the game, but we couldn't finish. And, like, mm -hmm. 30 seconds left, gave a ball away that we shouldn't, you know, that she shouldn't mm -hmm. have. And I think, honestly, that was the turning point for that group with us because they were waiting for us to show our true colors, you know, to be right. like – like every coach they've ever experienced like what are you doing like how could you possibly right. let that happen and we lost that game and you know like the staff came together with the team and i was like look it's a great learning moment like we we don't need to put ourselves in those situations it wasn't about the final pass that led to the loss it was about us not finishing and and we just talked like it, there was no like mm -hmm. anger in it there was no you know i mean not, right. you know, it was frustrating but it wasn't like it came out and we went on a nine-game unbeaten streak after that. Uh, wow. Scored more goals that season than the program had scored in like 20 years or something. And um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we made the conference tournament for the first time. I think it was in four seasons. Um, yeah. So for me, it was just about. It, it's always about relationships, uh, but it was really about like getting them to to believe that we can trust them and that we want to trust them and that they're going to get an opportunity for that first year. Year two, we recruited right. 10 kids, five of them started for us. So year two was different because mm -hmm. the upperclassmen that had gotten accustomed to playing even you know, before right. we were there and, and, and even their, our first year, there was more competition. And so that's mm -hmm. been, that's been the, the, one of the bigger challenges over the four years now is, is, helping players realize that we're going to keep trying to recruit better. Like we're always going to get right, better for players. Sure. That's the goal. For sure. And they have to be up for that challenge, uh, but that we care about them and that we want to talk to mm -hmm. them and we want to coach them through their moments. But you know, that the, their job is a little different than maybe four years ago, if, if they were on the team four years ago. Right. So what, speaking of like, you know, a big roster and getting those players to, to kind of believe and trust in you is, you know, I think you have to rely on some of your upperclassmen, maybe the ones that were there before you, the ones that you have now. And, 
So what are, what are some of the messages that you send specifically to them and maybe to your captains that you know they try to relay to, to the rest of the team? Yeah, honestly, it took us three years. Uh, I mean, the first, the first seniors class that we had that, you know, that we inherited, uh, were, there were some big personalities in that group. And they mm-hmm. had kind of learned how to, for good or bad, how to take care right. of things off the field that they deemed as problems. Okay without it having yeah. to come to us. Um, and not, you know, every program has their little dramas here and there, but right. um, you know, there were a couple of bigger personalities that, you know, kind of squashed things when they could and, and, but they, they took ownership a little too much almost to the point where they wouldn't, mm-hmm. they wouldn't pass it on to us in the hope of uh, mm-hmm. it not becoming a problem. And then if, if it did become a, you know, like drama maybe between players or whatever, then it became too big for them to manage. And it honestly, it took us to last year's seniors to get them to understand, like, we want them to handle certain things. And, and it's more about not so much a message, but like talking with them on a regular basis about like, here are things that you guys probably should be able to handle. But right. at, at any given point when things become too much or where it, you may feel as the leader that you're gonna get alienated that you need to bring me and, and the staff into this because it's not mm-hmm. your job. Like you shouldn't have right. to deal with everything. Like that's our job. And, mm-hmm. and we had a situation in, in uh, the COVID spring that our, our upper class, one of our seniors or our seniors, sorry, our captains came to us and were like, this needs to be dealt with by you. And, right. and it honestly was a huge turning point because there was drama between players and, and it wasn't it wasn't like that terrible. It was just that they finally came to us, and so that it was almost like we don't have like the, it, it relieved it. Re- it was a relief of stress and anxiety on them that w- was built up purely right. by the history of seniors before them, not because of us, but because the mm-hmm. seniors each year are like we're the ones that have to deal. We have to deal. We have to deal. And they finally were like, we dealt right, with right. that. You know, like we dealt with it as far as we could. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's really just been the education process with our upperclassmen of how to handle, you know, the things that they should handle and, and where are right. things where, you know, at what, at what point do we need to really bring the staff in to say like, this is, this is sure. not our job to do, you know? Mm, yeah. So what would you say as we start to wrap up to um you know what would you say kind of now being four or five years into a successful program you know we made made the a10 final yep. uh this past fall right yeah um so you know what are some of your core values now as a, that you've developed as a as a coach that you want to relay to your team i mean we, we have five core values uh so i'm gonna give a plug to our hockey coach uh mm-hmm. greg uh, canel uh, sorry uh carvel is uh, national championship coach. Uh, right. He's unbelievable. He he came in a, maybe a year before I was at UMass, and the hockey program was uh, dead last in in, um, wow. in the hockey East. And within three years, they were uh, in the final four, Frozen Four. Mm-hmm. Um, my second year, I think at the end of my second year, we always have a big um, coaches conference or coaches uh, right. retreat. And he was the guest, co- the guest lecturer, so to speak, at one point, just mm-hmm. talking about culture. And he, uh, he was like, I came in, and he had some guidance from, you know, from some other entities. Uh, right. His first year that that were like, you need to set your, you know, your principles, your core values, all that stuff. 
and you can't change it. Like, set it and don't change it. And he was like, after year one, he's like, I'm wrong. Like, I got to change I got to change it all, and, and they, they really, like, identified um, what w- – he identified what his core values were, you know, and, and right. he, he said something, uh, at least the way I remember, was, like, core values are the coaches, and then expectations and how we, how we take care of those core values, that's where the players need to be brought into the conversation. But the values, that's got to be designated by the head coach. And so, like, mm. basically, the rest of that day, I don't know what else we did as a staff, but I just was starting to, right. like, write things down, like, what really matters to me? And I came mm-hmm. up, I actually added a new one going through COVID with all the, um, with, with all the issues of race and, and uh, you know, gender inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we added a fifth one this past year, but uh, preparation, action, service, um, competition and then informed like i i want our players to be informed in all ways i want them to be informed in the game informed in tactics uh i want them to want to be educated uh obviously as a student but but the that informed one really came into play like i want us to not be afraid of talking about difficult things outside of Mm -hmm. soccer you know like what do we all believe in and why do we believe in it how do we build respect and 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 our community within our team to, to make it more comfortable to talk about those things so that you can go home and talk with your family and your friends about right. difficult things. Because we all have friends that differ in their opinions of what's going on in our country or what's going on around the world. And I think being able to talk about it is, is really important. So, uh, sure. so I, I feel like I, I learned something that day from Greg. Uh, and then I even, I made the change myself. Like I added to what our right. core values. I think you can't have too many core values those, For sure. are, those yeah. are our five and we talk them out every day and i i would say that our players i think our players if we said name all five core values like we talk about it enough when we yeah. implement yeah. those terms and those uh and and why why they're our core values on a pretty regular basis so i think it's you mm-hmm. know it's reinforced um but i think being prepared is is step number one always for sure you know? and, for and, sure and so th- those five really like have helped me uh, kind of mainstream what it is that we talk about, what right. we think about, and then it's helped us really frame our our approach to uh, to how we present tactics, present scouting reports, talk about changes that we feel we want to make, and get the input of mm-hmm. the players. But we also we're a staff that really values the the input of our players, and we want them to feel like they have ownership. Uh, right. and, and you know have have a driver's license for this for this ship like they, mm-hmm. they're, they're part of yeah part of the sailing crew you know no I love it I love it that's awesome Jason I appreciate your time um, and your story I mean what, a, what an incredible story that you have uh, last question I do like to ask selfishly and you know obviously for for the audience is are there any books or podcasts that you recommend that helped you or that kind of guided you on your I've way. I've been listening a lot to the learning leader, which is Ryan Hawk, I think. Uh, I'm okay. pretty sure that's learning Ryan Hawk. Um, it's, I mean, there's like 400 plus podcasts that he's done now. Right. Um, that, that's probably, that's been my go-to and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of different things. It's not just, not just sports. It's just, you know, a, like a guide to different leadership styles and, uh, For sure. different yep. scenarios like he talks a lot about different situations uh, and then brings in uh, brings in people um, as as guests on his show you know obviously um, 
Right. And then uh, we uh, we tapped into a guy who's a, a performance psychologist, Dan Abrahams. Yeah. Dan? Yep. Dan's awesome. His, mm. his podcast. I know of him. Yeah. Sports Psych but, show. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's just different, right? It's different topics, obviously. Right. But I think the the psychology side of things. I think when I think about uh, maybe I could go back. I should go back to school and get some other you know degree to help me become a better coach. Right. Psychology mm. is the only so, degree yeah. I would go after. Yeah, I gotta understand you know? the mind. And, and then John and Gordon think, yeah. is my favorite author. We we use energy the, bus. We use the energy bus when I was at USF. I love it. Uh, this it. is yeah. my favorite, maybe one of my favorite moments in my first year. But we use the energy bus at USF. Yeah. Denise always used different books as like our kind of our team guide and we within that book right. it, it has like uh the bus tickets right or the bus fares yeah so uh, we turn yeah. that at usf into like our here's our contract like bus fare number one right yeah, and I then so i took it to a different level and i i broke we had four kind of my first year we had four core values whatever they whatever i can't remember what they are from my head they're different mm. than what i came up with that day obviously right, um, right. and we used the four like each grade had to present the book from their perspective on that specific topic, like that core value. And we didn't give any direction or guidance of how you, they did it, but the seniors stepped up and they created a video where they were like, uh, like a news, like almost like Anchorman, like they were a news yeah. reporter <laughs> team and it was hilarious, right. but it was like, you know, they, they read the book and they like enough to like talk yeah. about the topics. Um, and then each grade. No, I love that, that book. It's such an easy read. It. There were yeah. some really funny ones, some like alter egos yeah. that were developed that lasted for the next couple of years. And, right, right. Um, the goal in that first year is to use the energy bus and have each class present a different, each year a different topic. Uh, COVID kind of interrupted that a little bit. So we, we may get right. back into that, but but uh, honestly, all of John's books are, are, are great, but that, that, yeah. that's, that book changed my life just from a uh, like a, a, I, i'm a pretty positive guy and i read that for book sure and i'm like for it's sure. a choice <laughs> yeah it's like you day. yeah it's like you think you're positive and it's like you could be more like there's always, always. more positivity yeah. yeah no i love that book yeah. i love that awesome, book man. but i really appreciate you awesome well, I pre show, thank you i appreciate it and uh i'll, I'll see you soon all right Jess. thanks man all right thank you